1: When it comes to a view of end times, there are a lot of churches who believe a lot of different things, pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill, pre-trip, post-trip. There are a variety of ways you can look at end times and what will take place. Well today as we go back to our series arise move and go here on Way of Grace Pastor Jesse Gastand will take us to Hebrews 11 the great hall of faith as we focus in on verses 1 through 6 and God took him. We invite you to join us as we look at the definition of faith that emerges out of our subject here in 11 of out of our subject here in Hebrews chapter 11. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast
2: you will turn back in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to encourage you to pay careful attention to our message today. I think I'll start off this way. Your hope is not in the rapture. Your hope is not in the rapture. Your hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to get that. You can clap. I'm hoping that you're not just a bunch of dolphins or seals, because I want you to hear what I'm saying today. I've been thinking about this for many years, and a lot of you guys know I cut my teeth on eschatology when God first called me at 18 years old. And one of the things I learned about the realm of theology, as we're learning today about a lot of institutions where the gatekeepers had control over knowledge. And they can determine what you should believe and what would be the prominent positions and the prominent views held in every system. We know this now in technology. We know it in the medical industry. There's a lot of industries where we are coming to recognize that men and women have been lied to. Am I making some sense? It's the same thing in theology. It's the same thing in theology. Good men who have gone through the seminaries have recognized that corrupt seed had been sown into the seminaries as well. The seminaries in our churches have been brought into captivity the same way our businesses, our education, our medical institutions, our government, they have been brought into captivity as well. And the goal of the enemy is to always get you to shift your hope into something that does not correspond to the glory of God. And I'm here to remind you again today that every believer from the beginning of time to this very moment has had only one hope, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what Peter taught us in 1 Peter 1, verse 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us alive again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the blessed hope. That is the blessed hope. No resurrection, no eternal life. No resurrection, no overcoming death. No resurrection, no triumph, no transcendence, no exaltation. I lay that down because we got a lot of studying to do today. So I hope you don't have the heebie-jeebies when you have to think. Because we're reading a portion of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 that is reproving the folks who should have known better about all of the promises of God that were given to them in the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews is for the first century Hebrew people. And the writer to the Hebrews has been warning them over and over again that salvation is not by works, but by the grace of God. And that no matter what kind of expression you yield in terms of your alleged allegiance to God, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, what the Hebrew writer is about to remind you and I of is that as often as we qu- quote Hebrews eleven six, and we quote it a lot, don't we? Hebrews eleven six emerges up out of. Hebrews 11.5, the foundation for that, what we would call uh, sort of compendium of faith is the life of Enoch, where God had used Enoch as a very special emblem in a very horrible culture, and you and I have to learn from Enoch what it means to live by faith. Now listen to it again. You've heard it many, many times in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if I could speak in the behalf of the writer of the Hebrews, he would go on to give an elliptical statement that would go like this. For instance, my brother Enoch. And then he would give us verse number, uh, verse number five. For by faith, Enoch was what? Translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had what? Translated him for before his, what's the word? He had this testimony. Now, this is the foundation for understanding verse six. Verse 6 is only understood in light of understanding verse 5. Now, verse 5 gives us an example of a very unique man, but not so unique that he does not identify with us or us with him, with the exception of the qualitative nature of his relationship with God. Now, put yourself in the Hebrews' shoes, because many of us are professing Christians. We're just like them and particularly America. We have been for a long time a Christian nation like the Hebrews were a Hebrew nation. And put your feet in their shoes and think about how many years you've heard the Bible, you've heard preaching, you've been in church, you've been in Bible study, you've been taught this, you've been taught that about God in terms of the biblical God, right? We're just like the Hebrew people. And yet the writer to the Hebrew people is warning them about the failures that occurred from the beginning of time up to this very moment in the book of Hebrews, where God had revealed himself to them in so many ways. And yet they missed the blessing because they did not walk by what? But as it were, by the works of the flesh. This is the dichotomy between Cain and Abel. And what you and I learned last week is that we're dealing with a sort of patriarchal, biblical calendar In the book of Genesis, the first calendar in the Bible is Genesis 5, where God lays out from Adam to Noah. How many generations have y'all been listening? Ten. Ten generations from Genesis 5, 1 are Genesis 4, 25, and 26. And then Genesis 5, 1 all the way to the end of Genesis 5 are 10 generations. This here is the way God wrote his Bible to his Hebrew people to teach them what he was up to and how they should be walking. Ten generations is the number of completion. And if I had time, I would unpack that because it's a complicated calendar. What I told you was the last person that God works with in that first uh, decalogue of generations was a man named Noah. Now, that's where we're going next week because we want to find in Noah what it means to have a relationship with God, where when God says, arise, move, and go, you do it. But right now, you and I are still working through the enigmatic, sort of complex, intriguing notion of a man who experienced something that would become for us a pattern. What, what Enoch experienced would be a pattern for us. But I don't want you misinterpreting the pattern. Throw away Tim LaHaye's left behind. Please do. I'm getting ready to show you why you would be wrong. Christianity is not about escaping trouble. Christianity is about enduring trouble, confronting trouble, engaging trouble, bringing trouble into subjection to the Lordship of Christ, triumphing over trouble, going through trouble. Getting on the other side of trouble and still saying, I'm still here because God is on my side. That's the nature of what it means to be a Christian. My heart has been very uh, preoccupied with multiple testimonies of our Hebrew brethren through the Holocaust. And I want to hear from a brother or sister who made it through. Because when you listen to somebody that made it through, they can tell you how God kept them from the beginning to the end. See, I don't want to hear from someone merely who escaped the Holocaust, but who made it through. Like, I want to hear from Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. How do you make it through the fire? Am I making some sense? See, I don't want to hear about people who just ran from it. Fine, run if you can, but ain't nowhere to hide. Because as God said, from dust to dust, You and I were made of the dust and to the dust we're going what? Every child of God needs to learn how to face death. Every child of God needs to learn how to face death. We go, Jesus is mine, nothing between, don't we? We should be singing that when we're on the brink of Jordan about to cross over. Jesus is mine, nothing between. And when I breathe my last breath, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in a picosecond and is all a wrap. And the grave was swallowed up and death was triumphed over because of the man that went to the cross. See, he didn't escape. And he didn't tell us to try to run from it either. I live in a generation where they sell everything. They sell water. If they could, they would sell oxygen. But it's too contaminated. (laughs) And you and I have been sold the gospel for many, many decades. We've been sold an entertainment religion. And we haven't been trained how to endure hardship as a good soldier. So I I just want to walk you through, if you can bear up under it for a little while, what Enoch really is all about. Now, the title of our message follows our theme. Does it not arise, move in what? And God did what? And God took him. And God took him. What a way to be defined when it's our turn to go. Where, he at? Where Jesse at? God took him. Where that sister at? God took him. Where that brother at? God took him. See, what I want to talk to you today, today about is being taken. So, says, if you go back to Genesis chapter 5, let's look at verse 24. The way the writer lays out this thing that the Hebrew writer calls translation. He uses a verb in the Hebrew that says, and Enoch was taken. Listen to what it says. And Enoch walked with who? And he was not. For God did what? Now, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Every one of us born of a woman is taken By someone, at some time, to some place. Please listen to me. Every one of us, born of a woman, is taken by someone, at some time, to some place. You're not going there on your own. A power greater than you is going to take you. Now, the issue here, as we bring it into a more redemptive lens is who's taking you and where. If the wrong person takes you, they're taking you down. If the right person takes you, they're taking you up. Some people are taking you away. Some people are taking you in. But the issue is, who's taking you? Now, I want to help us to understand that today, because that's the precarious situation we're all in you're not in control of everything in your life. You have heard the Bible teach you that every man is drawn away by something. Something is going to take you. Something's going to take you. Something's going to take you if it hasn't already taken you. See, in this life, we wake up and we don't even realize we've been taken. And so it's important to get this thing down and stop playing if you will, surreal movies around theology that's critical to God's glory and our ultimate destiny. Am I making some sense? So as we work our way down to point number three, we're going to really work through who took you. And where did he take you when he took you? Because a lot of people have been taken. Have you ever watched that movie, Taken? Yeah, that's a good way to think about it right now. The wrong person takes you, you in trouble. Please hear me. So what we have in front of us is a really remarkable definition of faith. Point number one, the definition of faith emerges out of our subject. Isn't that what I said? So I open up uh, dealing with Hebrews 11, verse six, under the first line, coming to God. Do you guys see that in your outline? coming to God. Why? Because what it says in Hebrews 6, uh, uh, part B, for the one that comes to who? For the one that comes to God. For the one that comes to God. I want you to follow that. This is after we have seen this nice little placard concerning Enoch, right? Now you and I know that Enoch had a really unusual relationship with God because the text tells us as we're about to see, Enoch did what? He walked with God. Now, the only way that Enoch could walk with God is if he had first come to God. Am I making some sense? So what we want to first deal with is what does it mean to come to God? Well, the Hebrew writer is very clear. The one that comes to God must come by faith. So you better get your faith doctrine right. Because if you don't, you're not coming to the right God. Because we've already learned with Cain and Abel, you can't come the wrong way and get a right conclusion. Didn't we just learn that? Cain came his own way and did not meet God, did he? And so when we say he that comes to God must come to God by faith, may I tell you that the Hebrew writer is talking about what it means to truly worship God. Coming to God in the context of the Hebrew writer is about, worshiping. Hebrews chapter seven will underscore this. Let's look at verse 17 through 19. I want you to hear it. I'm going to explain it. For he, that is Moses testified, or or the father rather testified that Jesus is a priest for after, uh, forever after the order of who? So our high priest is not made of the law. He does not come from the line of Levi. He's not an Aaronite. He is of the tribe of Judah and his priesthood is Melchizedekian. Does that make sense? Now, why is the Hebrew writer talking about a high priest? Because you can't come to God without one. You don't come to God your own way by your own means apart from a mediator. And the Hebrew writer from the beginning is making it clear to his Hebrew people, sacrifices and offerings didn't do in the Old Testament. It won't do in the New Testament. You can't come to God through Moses, Aaron, or the Levitical priesthood. You must come through God's one mediator between God and man. And his name is what? Jesus the Christ. No one comes unto the Father but by the son. No one comes to God, but by me. Am I making some sense? So I want you to understand that as we're talking about coming to God, we're actually talking about worship. Because you can't come to the true God without coming in worship. He won't have you. You can't stand before God in the arrogance and assumption of your sinfulness and think that You can just talk to God kind of any old kind of way. God's too holy for that. You have never seen a person in the Bible who was drawn to God. I'm about to explain that. Who didn't first hit their knees in the presence of the ineffable bliss. You come to God, you come to God on God's terms. That's what we mean by faith, child of God. Are you listening to me? You don't come to God on your terms. You come to God on God's terms. And whenever God talks to you and me, guess what? He's compelling us to a pathway of faith because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. When we run up on the true God, he's always got something new to say to us because we're so ignorant. When we come to God, we come to God listening because faith comes by Hearing. hearing not running off at the mouth, telling God what you want and what you're going to do. When you come to the true God, you come with your mouth shut, your ears wide open, your heart available. That's how you come to God. That's how you come to the true and the living God. And you come on the basis of a Bible revelation of who God is and how he tells us to come. We come worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You cannot worship God by a false spirit or in the heresy of false doctrine. Am I making sense? And you must come to God acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the one mediator between God and man. God will never accept anyone except it be through who Jesus is and what Jesus did on your behalf to let you into the presence of God. I thank God for Jesus, don't you? Look at verse 18. Verse 18, two more verses here. Hebrews 7, 18, for there is verily a disannuling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitable thereof. I told you, if you are a vital Christian student, you are a secondary auditor to a conversation that God has had with other people. Raise your hand if you remember that. See there, listen carefully. When you read your Bible, it is never first about you. God's not talking to you. He's talking to the people in the context at that time, and he's telling you and me to make application. I'm an I'm a ear hustler in on a dialogue between God and the Old Testament people. These things were an example to us. So just imagine yourself being blessed to walk by the classroom, and God's the teacher, and a bunch of students, are, and you lean in. If you ever lean in, God gave you hearing ears. And then you discover if you lean in long enough that you're probably a Hebrew too. Because everyone that comes to God by faith are children of Abraham. Am I making some sense now? And then we get to make the application. But you don't read your Bible as if God's talking directly to you. No, he's talking secondarily to you in his mercy. Think of it like this. While I have you, I'm going to do it. Think of it like this. You know, daddy has a family and some of his kids are really bad. Is that a good depiction? Now, they are all his kids. And every time you turn around, daddy has to sit them down and talk about how misbehaving they are. Now, inevitably, in the group of all daddy's kids, there are some kids that have not gotten in trouble yet. So they have to sit there and listen to daddy reprove big brother and big sister. That's called the Old Testament. And we sit there and we start trembling because we go, Lord, Lord, I, it, it, the way he whooped on my big bro, if he get a hold of me, I promise I ain't going to do it no more. I promise, I promise I ain't going to do it no more. I promise. And we act like we're not like them. But we're just like them. And it would be better for us to get the lesson from they butt whooping than our own butt whooping. Am I making some sense? These things were written for your learning that you and I through patience and consolation of the scriptures might have what? Hope, not in the rapture, but in the resurrection. And so I remember how my kids was. I had a bunch of kids, y'all know that. And whenever one or two of them got in trouble, all of them scattered. Not only one or two of them was really in the wrong. But everybody knew they were culpable to a butt whooping because we're all sinners by nature. Am I making some sense? And then I would talk loud enough so all of them could hear and learn. And a few of them down the line got it because I I don't even think I ever whooped Trinity. I should have just did it out of GP. But I don't even think I ever whooped Trinity. I had him over my house the other day. These big, grown kids. Y'all don't know me. My kids are grown and old. And and I said, Trent, have I ever whipped you? She said, I don't recall. Go get the belt. I just need to do it out of GP. Because Trinity, you're a sinner too. (laughs) But see, wouldn't it be better for us to learn from our big brother not to do that when daddy says don't do it?
1: Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gestand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's word and sweet fellowship in Christ. Six thirty in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible dot com, or by calling five ten eight eight six ninety seven eighty two. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say.